was great. Great job, and that takes a lot of courage, amen? She did a great job, really did. Proud of our young people. They, they really, they get involved, they, they sing, they sing out, sing from the heart, and, and uh, you know, our girls have been singing for 20 years, I guess, or more, and still, uh, I can't hardly get one of them to sing a solo. You know, they just, they, I don't know what it is, but they just get scared to death. So I'm, Joy, I'm, you weren't scared though, were you at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. All right. Well, I tell you, um, I had a little bit of an opportunity today that I think is, is really would make a difference in our community, our church. As I was driving away today, there was a fellow that was, uh, just had his mattress fly off of his truck down here down the road, and he had a box springs of mattress he was trying to take someplace. And, and uh, so I, I saw him struggling. They apparently had come off, and he was struggling to get them back on there. So I, I whipped around and came back around. And, and uh, when I got there, he just had one little piece of rope trying to hold down two a mattress and a box springs and, and had that tied loosely. And he was getting ready to take off again by the time I got back there. And I said, no, you're not going to make it far that way. And, and uh, so he said, well, he said, I got a bad arm. I can't tie it up any tighter than that. And so I, I went to my truck, and I had, uh, happened to be in a little truck and had a couple of straps that I could take and, and tied it down for him. It took about, took about oh, 10 or 15 minutes. We got it all tied down. He was going to Horn Lake, Mississippi. And um, so I, I'm not sure exactly how far that is, but it's probably a little ways. But I got to, got to talk to him, got to witness to him, and, and he said he was trusting Christ as his Savior. And so it was, uh, but, you know, it just, to me, that's, that's what we have to do. That's, that's really, we go out, we try to win them, but we also try to be what we ought to be in the community. Try to, try to help everybody we can. And, and the simple truth is, a whole lot of people probably leaving church were driving by him. And I'm not saying I can stop every time. I almost got caught there where I, I thought, well, I'm going to be too far by him before I can get turned around. But, uh, but I'm, I'm glad that we got turned around and went back. And so that's what I just challenge us to do. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to kind of probably alternate, just go whatever direction God kind of takes me. But some weeks it's going to be on marriage. Some weeks it's going to be on the family as a whole. Some weeks it'll be on child rearing more specifically. Uh, tonight is, is more on, on just the marriage, the, the husband-wife relationship. And Ephesians chapter 5 is, of course, one of the most famous passages of Scripture that we use uh, when, we, when we're dealing with the husband-wife relationship. And honestly, it is one of the most attacked uh, passages of Scripture. But I just remind you, uh, it is God's Word. And so, um, what, no matter how much the world turns against what God says, no matter how much the world goes against it and tells us, uh, it just, it's amazing how much. I was uh, somewhere, I, I think when we were just traveling this past weekend, I was listening to uh, the, just a little bit of the news, and, and they were uh, there just absolutely, the news, Fox News woman, whoever she was, was just absolutely mocking, and I forget the name of the fella that does the Christian films now. What's his name, Joe Beth? Yeah, Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. 
And so, and he had apparently made a statement about the husband and wife relationship. And, and basically she was saying, he said the husband's supposed to, I mean, the wife is supposed to listen to her husband. That's as simple as it, as it was. And, uh, and boy, she went off on, on just mocking. And then, and then she said, and he said, all your, you know, your answers about your marriage are found in the Bible. And they put up a picture of the Bible and she said, Really? You think in the Bible? And she just laughed. Well, let me help you. No matter how much they mock the Bible, their marriages are in trouble. The world's in trouble. The only hope for a right marriage is in the Word of God. And so uh, that's, we're just very simply going to look at, look at the verses, and we're going to take a look at, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Uh, truth is, we're going to look at the entire chapter, and we're going to talk about the entire chapter, but we're going to just read these, these first few verses, just time's sake, uh, right here at the beginning. In chapter 5, verse 31, it says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And so God says that when you're joined together, you are one flesh. It's not, it's not optional, you're one flesh. And so in verse 32 it says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And now when he says this, now the truth is that verse 32 is encompassing the entire chapter. He's saying, I've been talking about this, but he said, these things that I'm talking to you about, everything that I'm talking to you about, but especially verse 31 and, and the, the previous verses, he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak... Uh, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so he said, you know, primarily, he said, what I'm trying to teach you is this, these principles and what I'm about to teach you, they apply to the church. They apply to Christ and the church. We are the bride of Christ. And so everything that we're going to learn about the husband and wife relationship, we are supposed to be doing for Christ. And so that's what he says. He says, but in verse 33, then he says, nevertheless... Let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. He says, even though I'm talking about the church and I'm primarily making this application to the church, he said, nevertheless, now this applies to the husband and wife. And so it says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Now, in the, in the, in previously, he's going to say uh, to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Here he says, love your wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And right here is, is where all the fangs come out, all the claws come out, all the everything comes out all across this nation. Uh, but the truth is, this, this is what the word of God says. But now let's figure out really what it means. And, uh, and I'm going to try to explain it, try to help us right here. Father, I pray that you bless Holy Spirit of God. Please guide my mind, my thoughts as we try to be a blessing and a help to marriages tonight. Lord, I know that these simple truths out of, out of the Word of God, are they're, they're simple truly to understand. The problem's not understanding them, problems in, in us and our flesh rejecting them. So, Lord, I ask you, please help us to receive them, to receive the truth. And I ask you, Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and ask you to guide my mind and my thoughts that I say everything properly with wisdom and discretion, please. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You see, the, the final destination that God brings us to in this chapter is this, this simple statement. There's books written about it. There's all kinds of articles that have been put about. But the final destination that God brings us to in this chapter is what, we, what many call love and respect. Because reverence is often defined as respect. And the scripture simply says that a man is to love his wife. He says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, which is a great sacrificial love, to love it uh, as he loves himself, which is pretty much supposed to, supposed to be pretty much the ultimate love. I mean, uh, it kind of the assumption that you actually care about yourself, so uh, you should care about your wife. And so the wife is to reverence her husband, and that by definition, many define that as respect her husband. Now, the world, the flesh, has a problem with those two words, when we apply it to the wife and the relationship with reverence and respect. So let me give you a couple of more words that, uh, that I believe will help us in, in understanding what God's really trying to say. I believe you could define it this way, believe in. Believe in. You know, the simple truth is, is when you reverence somebody, you believe in them. When you respect somebody, you believe in them. And so I believe that that's what God is really wanting us to see is that uh, the truth is, is that it's, it's such a great need of each. But every principle in this passage applies to the church. As I said, we know that comparing scripture, he's not God, the man is not only to love her as himself, but also as Christ of the church gave himself for it. It's, it is to love as God loves. It's to love another human being as God loves all human beings. It's to love with a love that brings forth action and gave, because it says, and he gave himself. It's not just eros love, a sensual desire. It's not just phileo love, a friendship. It's not what the Bible calls a storge love uh, of affection as a parent to a child or a brother to a sister. It's an agape love, the love that God allows one person to share with another person through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that's what a man's supposed to have for his wife. When a Holy Spirit love is involved, it will by nature be a sacrificial love. Now, just a simple statement. I don't think most women would mind being in submission to a man who loves her enough to die for her and shows it by the way he lives for her. And I'm going to just, just throw it out here that, look, I understand that a lot of the problem in the minds of of women today and in our society today stems from men who did not love their wives rightly, properly, as God loved the church. I understand there was abuse. I understand even in some Christian realms that there's a, you know, just to keep them under your thumb kind of attitude. That is not what God's talking about. But I believe that, that women would come a lot closer to being in submission to a man who loves her enough to die for her, and it shows it by the way he lives for her. Uh, there was one woman that said to her husband, she was angry at him, she said, you're always saying you'll die for me, but you never do. <laughs> and so, uh, but actually if he did, then she would probably finally respect him, so... But this love is supposed to be a love that's willing to give up personal desires and wants for the other person. It's a love that will sacrifice so that the other person may have their personal wants and desires. It's not a selfish love, but a love that loves to give. You know, I told Jo Beth in the first year, the end of our first year of our marriage, that every decision that I make, 
I'll make the decision that pleases her as long as it won't hurt us. And for 37 years, I've done my dead level best because that's an easy statement to make, but it's a hard one to live. You say, what does it mean? Well, it, what it means, and I told her even then, if, if she wanted a car and I wanted a, a truck and they both cost $5,000, and I, I told her, I said, look, you want the car, I want the truck. They cost the same. It's going to affect us the same. To buy either one of them, I'll buy you the car. Any decision, everything you want, I'll make that decision as long as it won't hurt us. But if you want a $10,000 car and I can only afford a $5,000 car, I can't get you that car. That will hurt us. And so that's why, that's why I went 15 years without hunting or fishing. Because my girls just didn't like gutting a deer. They just weren't into that. I just, I went a long time doing a lot of things, giving up a lot of things. Not when I finally went hunting and fishing, and ever since then, really, I've, I've pretty much had to borrow everything that I've ever used because I didn't have anything anymore. But the truth was, it wasn't because she asked, it's because I, I loved her so much, I sought what she and the girls needed rather than the things that I desired. And folks, it is amazing how many times we... We, we can find the money to get what we want, but we can't find the money to get what they want. Now, clearly, the Scripture says the wife is to reverence her husband. And let me help you. It doesn't give any qualifications here for either one. Uh, love, the man loving his wife is unconditional. The, the woman reverencing, reverencing, respecting, believing in her husband, that's also unconditional. And so... The, the fact is, is that no matter how you're treated, you're still supposed to do what you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? And that's where the problem comes. It's what I talked about this morning, the two loves, reciprocal love. Well, you all are, well, yeah, well, I, I, would, I would respect you if you would just treat me right. And he's on the other side, well, you know, well, maybe I would love you more and do for you more if you would just, if you just listen to something I say. Well, listen, folks, we fight like that. We're, gonna get, we're getting nowhere. The truth is, somebody, my preacher used to say a long time ago, he said, you know, we'd have a lot less conflict if just one person would be a Christian. It's really hard to fight with somebody that won't fight. But she's to reverence her husband. Westerners 18.28 defines reverence as an act of respect. That's where they get this, you know, love and respect. It's an act of respect. Or, forgive me, this is Webster's. I didn't say it. It's an act of obedience. Reverence is an act of obedience. This is obviously a very touchy subject. And again, there are books out, lists of methods about how to show love and respect. It's almost common knowledge by every marriage counselor that the greatest need of a man is to be respected and the greatest need of a woman is to be loved. God knows and has always known the makeup of a man and a woman. So he, of course, would command the man to fulfill woman's greatest need, and he would command the woman to fulfill man's greatest need. You see, I used to, for a long time, counseling, I, I would say to a man, I say, that, you know, your wife needs security. So you need to do everything you can to keep the lights on and, and to keep the bills paid and keep, she needs that security. And I'll be honest with you, I really pressed that for a long time. 
And I would say that's her greatest need is security. But I always struggle with the fact that God didn't say, husband, give your wife security. He said, husbands, love your wives. Then one day I was counseling, and it's probably 10 years ago, I was counseling a couple, and they had lost their home because he lost his job. He got laid off from his job. They lost their home. They were having their car repossessed. They were struggling like crazy. They came and sat down in my office. They, they sat there, and they came to me for counsel, and I was expecting her to be all upset because I'd convinced myself, you know, you, you can't live that way, and the woman feels secure. So they sat there. And they were snuggled up so tight, I thought, you know, do y'all understand you're in my office? <laughs> and everything I would ask, anytime he started to speak, she looked at him. And I thought I was watching a little puppy here, you know. I mean, what in the world? And when I finally realized the greatest security that a woman can ever understand or feel is unconditional love. I realized she loved him and he loved her so much, it didn't matter what they were going through. Here's what I found out from her. She knew down in the pit of her soul that if he could do anything else and make anything any better, he would have already done it. He was doing everything he could. Therefore, she... She found great security in his love. Now, I've, she finds this great compelling security from that love. And she is commanded to reverence and respect. May I say, believe in her husband. When she fulfills this command, she will find the result is that she will, she will find security in him. So the more she gets love from him, the more she finds security in him, the more she believes in him, the more she finds security in him. It's just a cycle that, that begins to happen. You cannot believe in someone without being secure in them. And listen to this, a man is made stronger who can in confidence and be, demonstrate love when he knows she believes in him. And by that, I, I believe a man will fight any battle, attack any foe, will work harder and longer and be more willing to demonstrate love when he has a wife that believes in him. I know from personal experience in my downtimes, in my health uh, problems, and in my issues that I've, that I've had to, battles that I've had to fight over these 38 years of marriage almost, I, as I've gone through that, I know this, that I, I've even said this, I've said in my worst times, I would say to people sometimes, I would say, Joe Beth is my backbone because I would find such strength in her because she believed in me. This, this three years ago was not the first time that I battled illness. Back in 1989, uh, for about two years, I, I, t and 20 different times in, in two years, I would be speaking or I would be at somewhere, maybe in my office counseling, and I would pass out because I had some illness that Mayo Clinic had me there twice and researched and they never could find out and I would jaunt us and it would affect my liver and, and all these different things. They ran a, a barrage of tests, but all of a sudden I would just, I'd hit rock bottom. My, my doctor finally said, he said, you run, run on reserve gas. He said, like a gas tank, but you never fill up. You just get up to reserve. And he said, so when you empty, you're gone. 
And two years plus, she had to live like that with uh, trying to be a, a wife, trying to be a mother, uh, trying to be a, a father uh, to children, trying to handle everything because I would come in and sometimes sleep 16 and 18 hours and try to make it back to work and try to run the ministry. And she was doing so much that she had never even let anybody go and know about it. And times I would lay in the bed and I'd be so weak I couldn't hardly go. And she would grab my hand and she would say, Rob, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. God is going to use you. That's what kept me going. Because she believed in me. Proverbs 12, 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh a shame is his rottenness in his bones. Now, it's, it's very, you know, we could go into this whole book. So I challenge you, you could read the book on love and respect is a great book, and it talks a lot about this, this issue. But you come to this portion of Scripture in Proverbs, I mean in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, and you see that a man is to love his wife. You see that a, hus- uh, that a wife is to reverence her husband and, and that she's to, to believe and to respect her husband, and he's supposed to love her with this, this incredible uh, love of God uh, that he's supposed to have as Christ loved the church. And, and so he, that we're supposed to have all of this. Here's the problem that for so long, Again, in counseling, I would say, and if I was even preaching like this, I would come to a point in the message and I would say, God commanded, we must do it. And that would be my solution. I mean, it's real simple, black and white. God said it, do it. And I would have people in my counseling say, but Brother Hooker, I, I, I tried. I tried. And I said, that's your problem. You don't try, you do it. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's what I heard playing ball, working on the farm from my daddy. It wasn't no try. You better get it done. It's a lot less pain in getting it done. But the error we make is in missing the rest of the chapter. We fail to see what enables us to do what we are commanded to do. You see, no man, listen to this, no man can truly love as God loves without God's power. No woman will ever be able to do the hardest command in the Bible. I believe, especially this day and age, excuse me, this may be the hardest command in the Bible. And no woman will ever be able to do it, which means submit, obey another piece of human flesh until she is fully submitted to God. Spirit fullness allows a woman to see that a man is not superior to a woman. A man is superior at being a man, just as a woman is superior at being a woman. God simply made us different, and through that difference, we can unite to be one and be strong. Now, in this day of rights, the only way a woman can truly yield to biblical submission is by yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. Spiritfulness is the only answer. I want you to look now at the chapter. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It's the error that I made for so long 
you take verses and you they, we make them stand alone when in reality they're built upon the rest of the verses. And, it, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, if I could get everybody together that I preached to in council for years, I'd have to apologize to them because I told them the right thing. I did not tell them how. And most of them did not have the wherewithal to do what I was telling them to do because human flesh cannot do it. Look, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. God's saying, you know what? You better wise up here and look what I'm about to tell you. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And what God's saying here, he says, now what you better do is you better start getting busy about what I'm about to tell you instead of wasting time, any more time. You better redeem that. You better back back to, buy back some time uh, to do what I'm about to tell you. So verse 17, wherefore be, not, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He just, he's about to tell us what the will of the Lord is. And I've talked to so many people, and I've been one of them. I just want to know the will of the Lord. Well, here's the starting place, folks. Because he says, uh, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The will of the Lord for everybody in this room tonight is to be filled with the Spirit of God. So step one, if we're going to fulfill the great command, man or woman, if we're going to fulfill the great command in marriage and thereby, thereby have a great marriage, we must have, number one, God's spirit. It's so simplistic, folks, but, but listen, too much. We are going through this thing. It's done in the flesh. We've got to find God. We've got to be submitted to his spirit, yielded to his spirit, Beg for his spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God says you can control your mind to do exactly what I've told you to do through my spirit. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the love. I'll give to you man to love your wife. I can give you the love that only God can give, for you cannot love her as Christ loved the church. How can I do that? I can't love as Christ loved the church. Christ has to love her through me. Amen. Through the Spirit of God. She can't yield to me and respect me or submit to me. She can't do that in her flesh. She's going to be battling that every day of her life, every moment of her life. The only time that she can do that fully and truly is when she's yielded to the Spirit of God. So number two, number one, we have God's Spirit. That's our starting place. And then look, you, step two is that we, look, we see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Speak into yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. God says right here, we need God's spirit. We need a right spirit. You know, we just need to work on our spirit. You know, we'll come closer to having God's spirit if we'll have a right spirit. It's really hard to have God's spirit with a bad attitude. Do you understand? It's really hard. I, you know, you can tell who has even the hope of God's Spirit when you look at them in the face. You know? It's hard. To, you say, well, how do I have this right spirit? 
Well, God gives it to you right here. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, if right now you just started singing, if you just started singing, I'm telling you, you go, now everybody else may not feel better, but you will. Okay? You, you will feel better. Something about singing. That's why God talks so much about singing. That's why God puts out so much. I'll be honest with you. That's why I think I, I'm watching Belle out here while Joy's uh, singing. Belle is smiling back at Joy while Joy's singing. You know what? They sing. They pour out their hearts. That it, something happens inside you when you sing, and especially the Word of God. And the right now is when I need to break into a song. But I can't sing, so. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I, 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 you know, when I'm in the car and when I'm alone, when I'm walking and praying, I sing. I sing, I sing, I sing. Dogs howl, I sing. And I want to keep singing because God says that 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 something about it. He says in Psalm 1, uh, 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 Psalm, uh, well, I don't know what Psalm it is. It's in the Psalms anyway. <laughs> Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Notice what it said there? Come before his presence with singing. It'll change your spirit. It'll change your attitude. Come sing a song. Any song. Something they make them sing. I heard an old get up, get up. How his favor came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Are you saved? I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. And I repented of my sin and won the victory. Hey, we won. Victory. In Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming love. Praise He loved me. Yeah. I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Don't you feel better? What's that? You pointed? You wanted her to sing? What did she say? Oh. I just want you to shut up. All right. (laughs) Amen. So sing. Look, you say, I'm just struggling today. Sing. Look, this is, hey, fellas, look, I know that we're supposed, God has commanded us to be the head of our home. God has even commanded our wife to reverence us, to submit to us, to uh, 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 us, all those kind of things. But listen, we can still learn from them. And can I tell you, I learned so much from Jo Beth. She gets up singing. She helps me to sing. She sings songs all the time. She sings in the morning. <laughs> uh, she does all that. 
Now, that's good, and, and I think God made it very, very clear here in this chapter. First, you've got to have God's spirit. He said you need to have a right spirit because if you don't keep a right spirit, you're not going to keep God's spirit. And so, number, number next, number three, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. This is all laid out in the chapter, and what God's trying to do, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to give you a pretty tough command, but before I give you the command, I'm going to tell you how to do it. So in chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, have a thankful spirit. Have God's spirit. Have a right spirit. And you can't have a right spirit except you're going to want to start thanking God for what he has done. Can somebody tell me something you're thankful for? Okay. You're thankful for what? And I'm thankful for you, baby. All right. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Your best friend and your family? Like two different things? Okay. <laughs> I was going to thought you were thankful that Jordan's at home. All right. Praise the Lord. And that's the truth. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Yes, Bell. Amen. And it's pretty amazing that he would save somebody like you. All right. Yes, yes, yes. And I did it again. Ah. Go ahead. I just suddenly blanked out. I know it's joy. That's joy. Jacqueline. I don't know why I keep struggling with this. Jacqueline. And you're thankful for a pastor that has such a great memory, right? I do love you, Jacqueline. You're just so quiet. I don't use your name very much. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, Avani, yes, ma'am. Well, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Wonderful grandparents, amen. And they're here for the week, right? For a little while longer, amen. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> thank you, Dad. Yes, ma'am. And he does. You know, the truth is, it's, it does something for your spirit to be thankful. The problem with our world today is Romans 1, that we, we're not thankful anymore. It's our problem. You have your hand up. What do you want? Go ahead. If we seek to have God's spirit, we then have the opportunity for a right spirit, and a right spirit will lead us to a thankful spirit. Then, God takes us to, I'll skip a little bit here, my time's running out, but takes us to step number four. 
If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, we struggle, and again, this generation, and, and ladies, forgive me, we struggle with this word submission. But the scripture says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, I think step four, God's spirit, a right spirit, and a thankful spirit will lead you to a submissive spirit. You say, now, how can we submit ourselves one to another? Well, I believe, me personally, I believe this means that I submit to do exactly what God has commanded me to do, which is to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I believe that she is to submit to what Christ commanded her to do, which was to believe in me, respect me, to submit. You know, there's, it's a great harmony this brought. Um, Jeremy, Bell, what, don't y'all have a little quartet? Can y'all do four-part harmony without practice right now? <laughs> Come on, Jeremy, get up here now. Bell, Hannah, who else? Who else? Jack, Joy, whoever, I don't care, somebody, who else? Get up here now! <laughs> Do you have some, what's some, some fun little song that you guys have all done before? Huh? Pick out one. Give me one quick. You got three seconds. Jesus loves me? Can they do parts on Jesus Loves Me? You can? Can you do parts on Jesus Loves Me? Okay, come on up here, come on up here. I'm going to show you something. This is, Jeremy just had a family. So, <laughs> it's what I got stuck with, so face it, man. All right. Now, what you have as you, I don't know which one to abuse here, but you have a husband and wife. Not me. <laughs> okay, oh, so it's Hannah this time. So either that or he's Mormon. And so, uh, uh, so you have a husband and wife, and then you have children in the, in the family, okay? So now, what I want you to do, I want you to sing Jesus Love Me, but I want you to sing it, um, no, no, no. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sing Jesus Loves Me. I want you to sing Great is the Lord and Greatly to be Praised. I want you to sing something else, anything else. I want you to sing something else. Think of anything. I don't care what is some child song from kindergarten. You too, real quickly. I want you all to sing something different at the same time. When I say go, you just start thinking. You can sing the old rugged cross. I don't care what you sing, but the two or three of you that I just told you, Go. Loud, girls, loud. 
All right. Stop. Do you know this is the example of most families? You have the leader, but everybody else is doing their own thing. So what happens is you got chaos. You got confusion. Now, here's what most Christian homes will say a good family is. Sing, what were you going to sing? Jesus loves me? Sing Jesus loves me, but all sing, what would you call it? Just lead, just the regular unison. There you go, unison. Stop. Sounds good, right? But what really God wants is Him to lead, but everyone else follow developing their personality, who they are in Christ themselves. So now, can you do parts? Okay, they do alto lead. Anybody can do a tenor on Jesus Love Me? Yeah. Soprano? Okay, y'all do lead, tenor, tenor. Go. Come on now. <laughs> good job, y'all. Hey, these good kids, right? And you know what? That's a good family. They're just following the lead. They're not lockstep. They're not, oh, tied up. No. They're growing their own personalities, but they know their best blend is following Elite. It makes sense? All right, thank y'all. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. Man. Now, so we can understand the will of the Lord, we must understand that it's to be filled with the Spirit, which enables us to sing and make melody in our hearts, which enables us to give thanks in all things, which enables us to submit one to another. We must fulfill God's command to love and respect, but it will not be done by self-will, character, or determination. This is the error that I made for so long. It'll not be done by self-will, character, or determination. It can, only, it can be done only and must be done only through submission to the Spirit of God. Now, take just a couple minutes, won't take long, but I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, because in this chapter, God also says and tells us what the great enemy of being filled with the Spirit of God is. And this will be very, simp very simplistic. Verse 2 
Well, look at verse 3. Let's just start there. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that nor whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ, uh, of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye their partakers, therefore partakers with them. So this passage to just really condense it down and, and, and bring it to a conclusion. What hinders us? God, see what God did, he started in the chapter and he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to hinder you from fulfilling what I'm going to tell you to do. And then he said, I'm going to tell you what will enable you to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And here's what he said will hinder us. It's our actions and our words. When our actions and our words violate every command of God to be filled with the Spirit, to give thanks, to sing and make melody in our hearts, to submit to each other, when our actions hurt rather than help, when our actions tear down respect, when our words do not speak love and respect, but rather jealousy and hatred and envy, when our actions and our words are of disobedience rather than obedience, we are assuring that verse 33 will not become a reality. Understand, neither you nor I can control, listen to this now, neither you nor I can control or dictate the actions or words of our spouse. But we can follow this simple plan in God's word for ourselves. No one can delegate spirituality or spiritfulness to another. But we can seek God's presence for ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 3 makes it clear that each can win the other through our spiritual behavior toward the other. So God tells us it's our actions and our words that hinder us from ever having God's spirit, having a right spirit, having a thankful spirit, having a submissive spirit. When we spew out hurtful words, when we view things we shouldn't view, when we do things we shouldn't do, and when we, when we attack each other and when we, uh, we retaliate against each other, God says, guess what? You're not going to have, the right spirit is not in your home. God's spirit's not in your home. A right spirit's not in your home. A thankful spirit is not in your home. Therefore, a submissive spirit to the word of God is not in your home. So our obligation, we got to say, Father, I submit to you. Spirit of God, I submit to you. And the moment the words try to exit our mouth or the moment they do we got to learn to say I'm sorry to God and I'm sorry to our spouse we've got to make right wrongs quickly to keep a right relationship in our home so that we might have God's spirit without this command to love and respect being fulfilled the marriage is destined for tragedy without this command to love and respect being fulfilled the church is destined for tragedy because everything that I just preached and taught about the marriage applies exactly to the home. 
And I'll just be honest with you. God sent me here. I didn't ask to come here. But God sent me here knowing my weaknesses, knowing my abilities, knowing my inabilities. But he sent me here to lead the church. You know what the command is for me as a leader of the church as I tried my best to represent Christ? To love the people. To love you, to sacrifice for you, to give myself for you as Christ gave himself. It's such a parallel. We excuse this, we refuse this passage. Some even say it doesn't belong in Scripture anymore. A former president said this portion of Scripture is not applicable today. But God never changes. And what works in the home and in the family and the marriage never changes. God's simple plan still works. And every home that has this plan... And you say, well, I know where some, some men, man, they just, uh, it just like they've got their wife and, and like following behind them like a slave. Then that's not what this is teaching. That is not what this is teaching. The truth is, the true love is that we don't make her a slave. The true love is I want to make her a queen. But listen, I also have to protect her, which means God has given me discernment. God has given me the ability to make decisions or commanded me to do it to protect her, which means sometimes I have to say no. But that's never to hurt her. And I hope this has made sense, but this is a key to what's going on. I, honestly, it would change any marriage in here. The more we can comply to this, and I understand all of us, we are human flesh. My preacher said to me years ago, he said, any man could overcome any given sin at any given time if he would submit to the Holy Spirit of God. He said, the problem is we don't. Nobody submits perfectly. So we're going to have some time. But once we are, we stop and say, no, God, I want your spirit. And Father, I want to have a right spirit and a thankful spirit, dear God, because I need a submissive spirit to your will, to your word. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus.